Bullshit. Give me either the either or the either. I told you we're out of Phoenix now. Okay, alright! <coughs> Hi, you're listening to MageCast, the ensemble podcast by the well-read mage and a cast of mages. Each episode, I sit down with my rotating panel of guests to have some civil discourse about a single game. We're a group of games writers dedicated to long-form content and critique. You can find us on WordPress at thewellreadmage.com, on Twitter at thewellreadmage, and on YouTube. Crowdfunding support makes projects like MageCast possible. If you enjoy our work, written or otherwise, you can check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage for more information on exclusives rewards and our vision for a future of better games writing and a friendlier gaming community links are in the description don't forget to like follow subscribe and share MageCast with your fellow adventurers leave us a review too oh and now let's start the show good evening ladies and gentlemen we are tonight's entertainment Today I've got, well, a a longtime friend and founder of the Well Red Mage, co-founder, if you would. We found it under a rock. Yeah, and we pulled it out, dusted it off, and it was gorgeous. Still a rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he's in town for the holiday week, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is a black humor mage, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up. Who, who has, might I add, one of the finest pun names based on a color out of all of the the mage names. Oh, definitely. I love my you name. You remember when we were originally coming up with the well-read mage as like a concept? How did how did wait, like what did I just one day like tell you and Cameron like, "Hey, you guys want a blog?" It was something like that. Do you remember? Because I don't. I, I kind of remember like you talking about it. Just like, dude, we should like start like a blog. You said it more like that. Like it was a secret. Or, like how I usually do it. Yeah. Because you, we should get tattoos then. <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are to this day with here uh, we are to this with, day. Uh, Poogles. Don't tell people what's on my tattoos. And now I have tattoos. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What's the final thing? Just kidding. Huh? That's, no, I said Poogles. What's the... Oh, oh, Poogles? What's the final Moogles. Fan? Oh, Moogles. <laughs> I was going to say Moogles, but then I thought that was the Harry Potter. Uh, I thought you said Poodles. Anyways, mm. so yeah, I came to you one day <laughs> and I was like, hey, you want to start a blog? Because that would be really cool. And I remember I was messing around with a couple other blogs yeah. at the time. And oh, yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Briffits and Quimps. Don't Briffets look that up. and Quimps. Well, it's gone now. Oh, is it? It's just wasting space on the internet. So <laughs> I took it down. It's just like infinite. And, yeah. Maybe. Um, so then uh, you acquiesced, and it was originally going to be called Red Mage Reviews, which That's lazy. is a really crappy name, yeah. So Blythe, my wife, was the one who came up. Blythe, my waifu. My wife. My waifu came up with um, the well-read mage title. Oh, Blythe came up with that? Blythe came up with that. Dude, she has like the best ideas. I was like, like, that pun is so awesome. I, yeah, I will definitely use that in loving memory of my wife who's still alive. Um, so then you came on board and Cameron came on board and you wanted to be right away the, the black mage. Oh, yeah, I love the black mage. Yeah, the design on that mage is... So Meiji. I know, right? Yeah. Plus, yeah. The eyes. The eyes. And Vivi <laughs> from Final Fantasy IX. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which v- you haven't played yet. Uh, I have it, but I haven't played it. Okay. You should. Uh, it's good. I, I kind of want to do it in order, like 7, 8, 9 kind of thing. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I played 7. I mean, you should go check out the review, by the way. Yes. Uh, we did a dual cast. Uh, Black Humor Mage and myself did a dual cast review 
both of us reviewing uh, Final Fantasy VII. That was a lot of fun. And Final Fantasy VIII is getting a lot of uh, a lot of love now too. So from from like gamers uh, and people who don't identify as gamers, people who identify as individuals who occasionally play video games now and then. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 getting more popular, I think, over time, which is good. I guess. Did you and Cameron do a review on that or something? No, no, we never did. No, I really would like to review eight, but I'd need to replay it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Did Cameron Cameron reviewed it by himself or anything? No, he didn't. Oh. Yeah. I think he wanted to, but he didn't. That's yeah. so. a beast to tackle, dude. Yeah. Like Final Fantasy VII and it took the two of us to carry that load. That's true. So here we are all these years later, all these years later, <laughs> two, two and some change years later, and February will be three years. Um, and now we're on this podcast together. So, um, just by way of a little more casual introductions, uh, what are you playing right now, sir? Nothing. I have like five classes and a job. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was the last game you played? Uh, well, actually, no, I still have my 3DS, so I'm playing, uh, like Metroid, you know, Samus Returns. I think it's like a remake of Metroid 2. Uh, yeah. Uh, how, how do you like that? That's a good 3DS game. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 And, um... Still getting through what I have. I think I like dropped Dark Souls Remastered back in August and like I haven't played it since. So it's like. What'd you buy that on? PS4. Oh, nice. But um, definitely going to buy a Switch this uh, this week though. So Oh, this week? Yeah. Black Friday deal. If you get Pokemon Let's Go, let's trade because that's what I'm playing playing right now. You're playing that? Yeah, Pokemon Let's Go. Are you a child? It's a remake <laughs> of like you're the one who's playing a 3DS. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm playing like a man's game, like oh, Metroid, Super Metroid. Yeah, I mean Samus Returns, not Super Metroid. Anyways, I digress. Um, but yeah, I am playing Pokemon Let's Go with my three year old son. Oh, that's who amazing. Enjoys it a lot. It has a co op mode. Oh. It's a remake of Red and Blue or Red and Green. If you're gonna be one of those people, um, that's amazing. So yeah, it's a good game. I'm also playing. Uh, Super Mario Party. I am playing Octopath Traveler. I am playing Metal Max Xeno. And I think that's it. I think. But I'm playing a lot of games right now. Uh, Too much. Too Too many many games. So I'm looking forward to, if I do get some time off this, uh, this holiday season, I do hope that I can get a little more time to finish some of these. It'll be nice to have him off my backlog. Smash. Oh, yeah, and then oh. Smash comes out. <laughs> That's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, which I have pre-ordered. Oh, really? Yeah. I should pre-order that. You should. I went down to GameStop to pick up, uh, oh, that Super Nintendo classic for my nieces and nephews. Mm. Hopefully they don't listen to this before Christmas. Yeah, I doubt they're listening. Yeah, they're like 10 and down, so I don't think they will. <laughs> like listening to podcasts? Like, yeah, they're like, <laughs> listening to like MP- I know what Uncle Moses is getting me for Christmas. Anyways. Um, That's how they talk. No, oh, okay. as a caricature, I would never talk about my widow nieces and nephews like that. Don't say it like that. Widow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So when I bought it at GameStop, uh, the classic edition, uh, the guy was like, you know, the typical upsell. He was like, so you want to pre-order anything? I was like, dude, the only thing I want between now and the end of the year is Smash. He's like, well, you better pre-order it. Better pre-order it because this... So he was like, this location alone has over 400 pre-orders. 
You're kidding me. Yeah, and that was one of five GameStops that we have in our local area. Wow. So he said this is probably going to be Nintendo's biggest game in a while. Uh, he said bigger than Breath of the Wild in yeah. terms of sales. Well, of course. It's Breath much of more Wild. accessible. Right. Well, I mean, Breath of the Wild was a launch title that had like over 100%. Um, yeah. What is it? Sales compared to the actual console that it was on. Let's go for two hundred, guys. We can do it. <laughs> go out there, buy two copies. Of Smash. Buy two copies. It can't hurt you or your wallet. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, Smash is gonna sell like insane, like hotcakes. Yeah, like proverbial hotcakes. But all of those titles are great in their own special way. But today we're going to talk about something a little, a little more metal than than that something a little okay so it's metal gear solid oh really uh, yeah for, uh, well, shoot i thought we were talking about bonk's revenge bonk's revenge yeah that's a great game uh, <laughs> that's not a great game. <laughs> metal gear solid from 1998 on the ps1 known in some circles as the psx i prefer saying the ps1 that circle called europe yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so this is a this is a beloved classic. Uh, it's going to be on the PlayStation Classic. Did you see that? Yeah. Well, I mean, should we get this out of the way? Um, get it out of the way. Whatever you got to do. Burp, if, fart. If whatever. you if you want a PlayStation Classic, just go on the PSN store on your PS3. Like, there's nothing better than that. Is that your is that your professional opinion? Is that people should just get the games on, PS3. on PSN? Yeah, they have like all those games on PSN already. Uh, not Mister Driller. Nah, I don't know if it's on there or not. Is that I even a real checked. game? <laughs> Have you seen the lineup for it? Yeah, it's terrible. Okay, so I I agree with you. Now, I want to be very delicate here because I have a lot of constituents, peers. Um, Too many friends. Friends whom I respect who disagree with me on this point. Um, I do think that it's a very terrible lineup considering the wealth of games that this uh, console had. Now, all kinds of realistic, boring things could have gotten in the way, like licensing. Um, but they got Ridge Racer, right? They got... Okay, oh, let's just... We'll, we'll just read through it and make a noise that's either approval or disapproval for each of these games, okay? If you can. Okay. Battle Arena Toshinden. No. No, I, I like that game, actually. I remember playing it. But you're asking me, so keep Okay, on. Yeah, yeah. Cool Borders 2. No. Yeah, that's like playing the mini game at the Gold Saucer. Just that. <laughs> uh, Destruction Derby. Hmm. Final Fantasy VII. <sighs> Probably the best game on this on this collection. Ever. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, the first one. Done. Yeah. Intelligent Cube. No. Have you ever heard of that? I've, that sounds awful. I've no. played a demo of it but way, way, way long ago. I think it was a demo. Is this just like a Rubik's Cube that you got to solve? <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It's like an app? Okay, yes, it is. No, it's, yeah, it's a it's a cube puzzle game. Uh, Jumping Flash, which that was a launch title, I believe, for the PS1. No. Um, there's this little game called Metal Gear Solid on there. Never heard of it. Yeah, that and Final Fantasy VII are like the two reasons to get this if you can't get a hold of. Yeah, those I have games. those already. Um, Final Fantasy VII is coming to Switch, so oh yeah, a bunch of dude. Yeah. I want to get Zodiac Age for the Switch because that's a perfect game to like. Take oh man, down. heck yes. Okay, Mister Driller. No. <laughs> Odd World, Abe's Odyssey. Uh, that's a that's a great game actually. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. 
Uh, Rayman. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. Resident Evil Director's Cut. Yeah. See, I've got that on PSN. Yeah, they have all, yeah. a lot of these on PSN. Uh, Revelations Persona. Uh, no. R four Ridge Racer Type Four, an awkward title. Yes. Okay. Speaking of awkward titles, Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo. That sounds. That's like like that bust a move style Tetrisy thing with the Street Fighter characters. Bubble Bobble. Yeah, which I've got that on PSN too. Uh, Siphon Filter. I don't even know what that is. Tekken Three. Yeah, that's a good one. Three D Fighters. That's just my opinion. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. I don't know. I don't really know anything about that one. Uh, Twisted Metal. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. That's that's it. And Wild Arms would actually be the game that I'm most excited for on the PlayStation Classic. But can you get that one on PSN, though? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing most of these. Now, uh, talking to people online, though, uh, in Europe, you can't get the same games on PSN. So... That is a consideration to take. I think, but we're that, not in Europe, right? This no, is we're in good old. US this is God's country. No healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so um, in Europe, though, I think that what we'll see once this thing rolls out is we'll see more numbers there than in America. Um, yeah, Europe loves play, uh, PlayStation. They do. One of my roommates is from Europe. Well, I mean, America loves PlayStation also, N- nah. but there's not a lot of PlayStation on this. It's a hundred bucks for those games. Twenty games, is it? Yeah, that's yeah, not a, a whole lot. And Dude. a lot of them, Mister Driller's Super Puzzle Fighter Two, Ridge Racer Type Four, Shovel Warriors Two, Destruction Derby. Almost feels like it. Um, again, the PS One had. You know, tons of games. So many, man. Yeah, many more times games than there were on any console in the 16-bit era. But, yeah, it feels like just strange. No Tomb Raider, no Crash, no Spyro. Um, Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, no Crash. Um, Now, the argument is a a lot of those have been seeing multiple remakes recently. Remakes, remasters, so on and so forth. There was just the Crash Insane trilogy recently. Yeah, that's true. But um, that's something that disappointed me, though. And I think you can get those games on PSN, like I'm saying, anyway. So right. But I mean, for those of you in Europe, um, yeah, sorry, but I hope this uh, helps a little bit. And plus, I know those controllers have the analog sticks. Either. That's a big one. That's a big um, one. Playing Metal Gear Solid without that—it's awful. Sounds like not a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Uh, what would be your recommendation then in regards to the Sony PlayStation Classic? Go to PSN. Go to PSN. Yeah, and just cut and cut and pick, cut and paste. What am I trying to say? Just <laughs> pick out the games that you want. Uh, if you have a PS3 still, like I mean, it's it's good for like some PlayStation. Right, and some games. people don't. Now that's a valid point too. Yeah, a lot of people don't do right. that. Right. Like I, I was talking to a few people, and they were like, "Well, you know, not all those games are on the PS4 PSN." I mean, some of them are still only on PS3. Oh, I see. And then it's like, well, sorry, I guess hang on to your old stuff, maybe. And then you yeah, don't I have do. to shell out 100 bucks for 20 games. <laughs> half half of them you're probably not going to enjoy. Yeah, If you don't have a PS3, guys, and you get into some classics, just, yeah. PS3 is not a bad go. And, here's and, an and idea. The PS3 can actually play PlayStation, like, disc. Too, right. So. so here's an idea, then. Instead of buying the PlayStation Classic, buy an old PS3, buy a refurbished PS3. You might be able to get one for the same price. Yeah, definitely. And then if so, you're going to get uh, 
wireless controllers with analog sticks. Analog sticks. You're going to get access to PS3 games, PS2 games, PS1 games, and much more um, uh, selection on PSN. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you could get. I think you could probably get all these on there. I don't know. Again, Europe, America. It's not like I jumped on the internet and I was like, oh, I got to see if you can get all these on there. But I I know you can get Super Puzzle Fighter 2 on there. But anyway, there's one specific game on there that we do want to talk about, and that is Metal Gear Solid. So Metal Gear Solid, I played it back in the day. I don't remember if it was in 98 or not. I know it was before 2000. What was the first time you played Metal Gear Solid, and how old were you? I was uh, 17, so what year was that? How old are you now, 45? Yeah, no, I'm 23 right now. Um, 17, so that's five years ago, so 2013. Wow. Um, so you, one thing that I appreciated when we did the Final Fantasy VII dual cast review is that our perspectives are different. You and I are separated by an entire decade in terms right. of our ages. Um my perspective could easily be dismissed in terms of, well, you're just nostalgic for that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yours can't because you didn't grow up necessarily with these. You certainly didn't grow up with the NES. No, right? definitely not. Do you have a Super Nintendo when you were growing up? No, I didn't even have okay, that. Okay, so your first console was what? A PlayStation PS1 and 64. Okay. So, but I, didn't, I wasn't playing Metal Gear Solid at like two yeah, years of old. Of course not. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a little adult, and we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so your perspective then is able to say that these games still remain playable and enjoyable, if not impactful, uh, despite their age. I think, um, I mean, obviously, like, gameplay has, like, evolved to, like, a point where it's, like, very, well... Relatively speaking, fine tuned to not is a much better than that. But I think, I mean, for a person like me who likes to play like classic games and like can get over like the hurdles of like a lot of like really bad controls, um, especially for the 3D era, the early 3D oh, yeah. stuff, especially yeah. for that, I think it's just like um, trying to look at it as like a piece of like history almost and like to play it and to be able to, you know. To be able to play and like understand that you know this is what was advanced at the time and and to be able to still appreciate it for like especially like its story and like you know the little even the gameplay itself I mean like you can still like a lot of old games are like still fun to play you know Metal Gear Solid still somewhat fun to play too um, but I think definitely like the stories like what impacted me the most um, and like the characters for sure. So if you think of it this way, then. Um... That a game like this, it's it's a vehicle for telling a story. Exactly. The the gameplay, the structure, the graphics even, the sound design, that's all there as sort of the frame of a car. And inside of that car is, is the story that's being delivered to your door. So the what you're saying then is that the vehicle is still capable enough. It has enough functionality. Uh, it hasn't... Um, it hasn't been put so far behind that it ruined the story for you. Correct. Yeah. So I haven't played this game probably since before the first time you played it. It's been a long time. Um, mm. I have it. Uh, and it's one of those games that I'd always like to go back and play. 
but it's been quite a while. So I will be throughout the course of this podcast, be relying upon you uh, as the expert in the room of Metal Gear Solid. You have a BA in the you have a BA Kojima in... studies. <laughs> <laughs> Kojimology. Um, so there's a couple things that I wanted to ask you that just don't entirely make sense to my mind. Um, and maybe there are things that you can, you can hash out and you can phrase out and make uh, much more transparent. But, uh, one of them that I wanted to start with is, um, what is the place of Metal Gear Solid in the context of the series? Just, I know we want to focus on this specific Metal Gear Solid one for the PS one, uh, tactical espionage action, right? Um, but to briefly address the series, um, how many games in the series have you played? Have you played all of them? Um, pretty much. I never really finished Metal Gear One and Metal Gear Two. Um, I've played them. Snake's a bit. Revenge, right? Is the second no, one? No, no, just Metal Gear Two. No, okay. Snake's Revenge is non-canon, right? So it's just Metal Gear One and Metal Gear Two. I haven't played those all the way, but I played them. But the rest of them, yeah, I've played. So the Metal Gear series, you've got Metal Gear. Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, you've played both of those? Yeah. Okay, the one that we're talking about today in 98, there is Ghost Babel. Oh, yeah, for the Game Boy, I actually did play that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And for the Game Boy, released in 2000, was it Game Boy Advance? It was a Game Boy Color. Used to Game have Boy Color. Playing on that, yeah. I don't remember what Advance came out or anything like that. Um, Sons of Liberty, I know you've played. Of course. Twin Snakes, that was one that I was working okay. through recently. So, um... Before we get anywhere, actually, the first game I ever played was the Twin Snakes. Oh, really? It was, uh, the first uh, Metal Gear Solid was the Twin Snakes I played. Because um, uh, what I had a, the Wii, so that plays GameCube games, and my uncle had Twin Snakes. And so I was like, yeah, why don't you play this? I was like, okay. Right. Just like, so you were 17, right? Yeah, 17. And your uncle was like, well, I guess that's not. It was rated T, right? M. It was rated. Yeah. Oh, so they bumped it up. Because it wasn't the original rated T. No, the original one's M also. Really? Yeah. Oh, I always thought it was rated rated T. Now I have to kind of... Well, keep keep talking. Yeah, so the Twin Snakes was like the first one I played. Um, yeah, and that was where my love began for the franchise. I think I played Twin Snakes and then like two. And then like I went back to the first one on the PS1 because I'm like, I, I should play this. Like it's a piece of history classic that you got, everyone I think has to play. Um, if you're going to, you know, have the level of dedication that I do, at least to playing classics, but, um, so yeah, Twin Snakes, but so I've played, you know, the PS1 version, but the Twin Snakes was like the first one I ever Your introduction. Okay. So, and Metal Gear Solid 1, I stand corrected, was rated M for Mature. I probably played that at 13, 14. I mean, who who didn't play rated? (laughs) Dude, I was playing Grand Theft Auto, like San Andreas. Oh, like like you're one of those kids. Yeah. Uh, they're like, man, you be okay. So then you got Snake Eater, uh, Metal Gear Acid one and two. No, those aren't even canon. I think so. Oh, okay. I, didn't play those. I haven't even heard of those. Uh, you got Portable Ops and Portable Ops Plus. No, you've never played those. No, yeah, because those aren't canon either. Oh, so you've only played the canon ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Metal Gear Solid Mobile. No, I Is didn't that have a, a cell phone, phone installment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like you go just go around so catching Pokemon. Play it on the T-Mobile Sidekick or something. <laughs> I don't know. 
So story takes place between Metal Gear Solid and Sons of Liberty. Oh, really? So it is. Yeah. Now you got to play it. Philanthropy. Uh, g- Guns of the Patriots. Oh, so of course. you played that, I know, because you won't shut up about it. What? Uh, <laughs> Peace Walker, I know you've played. Yeah. Uh, have you played Metal Gear Rising Revengeance? I actually have played that one. Has one of the silliest titles I've Worst ever titles. heard in my life. I played that one, yeah. Revengeance. It's so great. Uh, and then you've got Ground Zeroes. I know you've played that. And Phantom Pain. Yeah, it's the same game. Okay. Um, and then there's Metal Gear Survive. Have you played that? I will not even speak about that, to be honest. That's a sacrilege. So you're not going to form an opinion through experience first? Nope. Dang. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I hope you have a great day. That's the end of the podcast. All I needed to hear was zombies. (laughs) Zombies. Metal Gear Solid. Well, I mean, you had zombies in, in Sons of Liberty, Vamp. Technically was the undead. Shit your dirty mouth. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um, coming back here. So in so in all of these games, what's something that makes Metal Gear Solid really special as an entry in this series? Uh compared to the rest of the games? Yeah. Um I think that its story is probably more streamlined than the rest of uh the games. Um <laughs> So when you say that, what immediately popped in my head was on Snake Eater when you're fighting the pain. And he's like, I am with all the, like the weird Kung Fu that he's doing the pain. And then he does like a roundhouse kick and all this stuff. And it's just silly. Yeah, it's silly. I think that over time, this series got pretty silly. Uh, Given that Snake Eater is the furthest I've played into it. I've only played the first Metal Gear, uh, the one on the NES, right? And then I've played Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3. I've never played the fourth one. I own it. I'd love to play it. Just haven't gotten to it. Um, it's a beast of a game. Man. It, it's yeah. going to take away some of your life. Every Well, yeah, it's like every game. Um, <laughs> Technically speaking, yeah. Hey, I'm playing Pokemon Go, dude. Like, yeah, when I leave the house at like 1 in the morning, or it's like, what are you doing? And he's like, there's a black Charizard outside. <laughs> like, you hear my car like pull through the garage door. <laughs> And drive off. <laughs> and I never came back. So, but now I remarried. So, yeah. That's fine. Um, What's your new wife's name? Uh, Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Not scripted, ladies and gentlemen. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, coming back to this. I think, yeah, the narrative focus of this game um, isn't very muddied. It's kind of like, you need to do this. It's fairly straightforward. It's very linear. Um, it kind of sticks to its guns and the plot twists seem appropriate. Sure. They don't seem like, like liquid snakes hand is now grafted onto revolver ocelot, which I think they retconned it like very well. Right. And I heard, I hear that every time, but again, I've only played up until the, the third game. So th- I still have no resolution for that personally. Gotta play that game. Watch Sons of Liberty. You got to sit through nine hours of cutscenes to get. Oh, dude, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard so much, and I get real impatient now that I'm older. Mm. I'm just like, man, I'm that much closer to my grave. I cannot sit through these gratuitous cutscenes. This is something I complained about on a previous podcast, and it makes me sound real old. But I'm gonna say it anyways. That like cinematic storytelling in gaming can be real good. 
Like in Metal Gear Solid, I think it's it's spot on. It's real good. Mm-hmm. Has that sense of drama and scope that cinema has that makes it feel like more than just a game. But I think when games overdo cinematic storytelling, it's real just a grind. So I don't know. There's few games where I've started to feel that, and so I'm kind of tentative about, kind of apprehensive about playing Metal Gear Solid 4 just in case it's like, literally like sitting through a movie and then the game starts again. And that was just like a segment of cuts, oh, yeah, cutscenes. It's like a cutscene. This is just like an hour and a half. And then you start playing the game again, man. I, what if you got to, can you pause it? Yeah, sure. You can okay. Pause thank goodness. I was like, what if I got to use a restroom? Like I said, I'm getting old. Okay. Yeah. Um, kidney stones. Kidney stones. <laughs> so another thing to bring up is, uh, this game, puts a lot of emphasis on stealth, right? Uh, stealth is very much um, a an important facet of the gameplay in that it's not always wise to sort of charge into a room, guns a-blazing. Um, Snake is an action hero, but not of the sort of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Stallone, where you can just mow down all these enemies. He's got to sort of be a little cleverer, a little wiser. So... We were talking earlier about how stealth as a concept in gaming has changed over time. Uh, this game very heavily features stealth. And now it seems like you don't see too many dedicated stealth games. Sure. Right? Stealth is just kind of thrown into games nowadays, really. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like shoehorned into the game. Right. Right. So, you, right. so you'll be playing like whatever. Uh, and it'll be like, well, now here's a stealth segment. And you're like, well, uh, I don't really want to do this. You know, it's kind of like hitting uh, a water stage in a previous <sighs> era where it's like, well, now the dynamics and the gameplay is all different. And this kind of just slows everything down. Um, I was, uh, reading a review by the mail order Ninja mage on uh, Mark of the Ninja remastered, uh, which is a, a fairly dedicated stealth game. He was making the point. I haven't played it myself, but he was saying that this is really sort of happened where, um, stealth as a genre, as a main heading for a game has sort of disappeared from the, from the field. And now you sort of see it just popping up every now and then, I guess. But, uh, like games will have stealth mechanics. Like I mean, I'm sure Horizon Zero Dawn, Arkham right. games, Last right. of Us. Yeah, now Arkham feels like a dedicated stealth game. That's something okay, that I gotta fits give the character. Yeah, you know yeah, what definitely. I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, now Horizon. So that th- that's I'm glad you named two specific examples to play off of. Horizon Zero Dawn. You felt like it was necessary to use stealth because you're sneaking up on giant robots that can murder you if you just like charge. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, Batman makes sense in Arkham. If, you know, you're not just going to charge in there, there's all these people with machine guns. Batman is not bulletproof. So using stealth in smart ways like that. Um, But I feel like, so imagine if there was no stealth in Horizon Zero Dawn, except for in dedicated story segments where it had you sneak past a boss or sneak past, you know, guards and stuff like that. That would feel real shoehorned. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My mistake. So to make, no, uh, to make a, a distinction there as far as what I'm, uh, trying to clarify. But. Well, I think um, when I when I think of stealth, you know, in terms of Metal Gear Solid, I think it's like like you're not 
supposed to engage the enemy like very much and like um you know arkham and like horizon zero Dawn, you can you kind of have to clear the room kind of thing whereas mm-hmm. metal gear solid like you can just slip through that whole game there's an award for slipping through the whole game without ever getting caught by anyone right and like just not killing anyone now there's still boss fights right sure that, I mean, you can't avoid you can't avoid the, right like the, the hind d i mean you have to you have to stop and fight it's gonna see oh, sure but um but yeah, I think that's a that's a really good distinction that you're making that in MGS you can really just make it through the whole game without taking anybody down. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember specifically now is there um the tranquilizer gun in this one? No, that's in the Twin Snakes version. Okay. Cuz that came after Sons of Liberty, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you could still do a no deaths run though. Yeah. In MGS1. Mm-hmm. You just don't shoot anybody. Exactly. Okay. Um, which, yeah, you gotta be pretty clever for that. Was there a specific reward for that? I think it was the stealth camo. So I must've done it then. Cause I remember, okay. Stealth camo for those of you who maybe haven't played this game, complete the game then. And at the end, it gives you for your next run through on a new game plus kind of a deal. Um, stealth camouflage, which was like a, a tech unit that made you look like the predator where you're just like completely transparent. Yeah, this is so cool. The optical optical uh, camouflage, yeah. That was really cool. It made you feel like the ultimate like solid snake. And then you, did you mess with people after you had this stealth? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> you just like punch them from behind it. They're like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, you used to do that all Who the time. Who did that? Everybody. Oh, no, is that? No, that's what the, yeah. the guard would say. That's what the guard would say. Yeah. Like, um, Who hit me? Who hit me? How many punches? What were some of your favorite scenes in this game? Man, so many. Oh, don't say that and then not name one. Name like three. Three? Oh, <laughs> Five. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, okay, no, I'm kidding. Um, My favorite scenes, like parts of this game. I think like the beginning, to be honest. Like, like Where you're swimming and they're telling like you the mission swimming, everything. And then like you get to like the elevator and then like that first area right there. Like just hooks you, man. It's like so like, you know, you have like... Like, the military-type music, but it has, like, some kind of, like, techno-to-it thing, like, and you're being briefed, and, like, you go to the top, and then, like, the title shows up, boom, you know, like, you're in it, you're in the game, Yeah, I bought this, and so you start <laughs> playing it, and um, so I think that, like, just hooks you right away. Um, Another scene. Okay, can I share a favorite? Sure, you, we'll, we'll trade off. Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, the I f- name three, you name three. All right. The first time you uh, you're on the heels of the cyborg ninja, and you open those doors, and there's just like blood everywhere, oh, yeah. uh, and all those dead yards. That was one of the moments where I scrambled to turn the TV off because your mom walked. <laughs> I was like in the same. I was playing. Like, you know, I didn't have a TV in my bedroom when I was growing up. So yeah, uh, at various We've been times there. we've all been. Yeah. There. So. Except kids nowadays, they like have smartphones and they just like turn off their screen. Yeah, so much easier nowadays. Right? I, I I imagine that it will imagine with a switch. I mean, you know, like you don't even just take it out of the dock. And be like, huh, nobody saw nothing. You know, that was playing freaking Eevee. Fuck you, let's go. You definitely have to hide that from people. <laughs> Your boss comes over like, oh shoot! Like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, Pikachu. That's right, son. Um. So yeah, when when those doors first open, you see like all that carnage everywhere, and then you walk in, and there's that guy that looks like he's levitating, but he's actually being held aloft by the sword of the then invisible cyborg ninja, 
And yeah, you follow him into the room and he's threatening uh Otacon Hal Emmerich, was it? Yes. Yes. Uh one of my favorite lines from the game where like you start about to throw down with the cyborg ninja and he's like, This is just like one of my Japanese animes. Love that line. <laughs> that's a great scene. Yeah. I use that all the time in life. I have a tattoo. Actually that's the tattoo, not Moodles. That's the tattoo that we got, right? Is is Japanese anime? Japanese anime, yeah. Just, just the, the words. Okay, your turn. <laughs> oh, um, that was weird. Definitely Psycho Mantis. Ah, oh, um, that was gonna be my second one. Well, you know what? Okay, you, what about Psycho Mantis? My next one was honestly going to be the um, what's it called? The Cyborg Ninja, Cyborg Ninja uh, Okay, so. so yeah, this is going to so get harder. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what about Psycho Mantis? Dude, just <laughs> dude. Okay, so when I played it on the Twin Snakes, uh-huh. like, and I had no idea about um. Like anything that was gonna happen in this game, so this it was nice that like oh, a lot yeah. of the surprises in this game were still a surprise to me, even after all these years. Because like no one spoils Metal Gear Solid because like I don't know, I guess nowadays no one cared back then. But um, what's it called? So I was playing Twin Snakes, and that's the one on the GameCube. And uh-huh. so like the part, you know, you meet Psycho Mantis here in that creepy room, and like um, he reads your memory card. And for me, because I also had like Super Mario Sunshine, he's like, "You like to play Super Mario Sunshine?" Huh? I'm like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. That... <laughs> I'm like, "What's it called?" Freaks you out pretty much. Yeah, and like, um, what else did he do in that scene? Like, uh... one of many instances that makes sort of this series uh, distinct, right, is breaking that fourth wall or meta narrative or meta humor. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of the best where parts. it's like, "Hey, I can see you." And you're like, whoa, I'm just in my boxers on a bean chair eating, like, an entire apple pie with my bare hands. It's kind of embarrassing. I know. Like, imagine <laughs> imagine if Psycho Mantis was that powerful. Like, instead of reading your memory card, he could see you, like, sitting in your pajamas. Like, yeah. I think they could do it with the PS cameras. He's thing. like, I like your Hello Kitty pajamas. And oh. you're like, <gasps> how did he know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, but um, I think like the highest concentration of what you just talked about is definitely within the psychomantis part. Yes, yeah. Because like he reads your memory card, you switch out the controller to the second port. Um, yeah, that's great, and so it's a fun boss fight. Yeah, um, yeah, and then like you know like he like what's it called mind controls Meryl and like she tries to kill herself and like you got to stop her and you get, yeah you get really emotional. You have to save Meryl. And then and it was traumatizing too. Like when you take down Psychomantis and he tells you a story and you're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like this guy's sympathetic like... villains. I hate him. I hate him. I hate <laughs> I do because it's like, let me just defeat you. You don't want to tell me your sob story. Like imagine if in Super Mario Brothers, when you jump over Bowser, he falls into lava. And as he's melting, as the flesh, <laughs> <laughs> as the flesh is, is disintegrating in clods off of his oh skin. My... And his muscle God. fibers are just like, like fraying apart like so much cheap carpet. That he just like, I remember. <laughs> oh, and he sounds like Psycho Mantis too for some reason. Stop laughing! I can't think if you're gonna laugh at me. He sounds like Psycho Mantis for some reason. Oh He's my like, God, it's I hilarious. remember when my father used to beat me <laughs> as a child. And he's like, my father was a drinker. Just like a bunch of different villains. <laughs> yeah, all these different villains. As he's going down, and a thumbs up. <laughs> 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 that wasn't even a villain in that movie. 
Anyways. Anyways. That was great. Okay, somebody, if you're listening, if you're a game dev, make that game, please. Okay. Thank you. Or if you, like, you know, you're source filmmaker and you know how to use the Unreal Engine, do it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right, so your favorite Psychoman is my favorite scene now. Your second favorite. Scene. Um, probably gonna be uh the confrontation, the first confrontation with Sniper Wolf. Oh, I like how it was like, hey, you can't beat her. You got to go back. Stop shooting the rats, and then you got to go back and get the thing, right? And then and then you come back, and then you can do a little. What was it? Dizapam? Yeah, yeah, the drug. The, yeah, right? Oh, that yeah. steadies your hands, yeah? Yeah, dude, that's so weird. We'll uh, talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> Under adult themes? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, Uh. and you had to have a sniper fight. I just was like, this is such a creative boss fight, even yeah. like age 14 or however old I was when I first played it. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like anything I'd ever done before. Mm-hmm. So your turn. Um. The part where Revolver Ocelot catches you and you got to do the torture scene uh-huh. and you got to go with circles and don't use auto fire because I don't know. Have you used auto fire ever? I didn't even know what that was when you said that. So I was oh, just like, oh yeah. Cause it was, I, I've never have, I always wondered what would happen. Like, what if he's just like, you think I was playing punk? Save deleted. And then it's just like game over. <laughs> <laughs> he just deletes your save. Oh, I thought he was going to come out of the TV and shoot you. Oh, with his... Uh, Revolver Ocelot. With his Desert Eagle or whatever <laughs> that you said. Uh, let's see. Definitely that scene. Okay. And I'm trying to think of a third scene here. Um, definitely not when it was like, hey... Call Merrill on this codec number that's on the back of the case. And I was like, <laughs> I bought this like at a pawn shop. I bought this at Blockbuster. Yeah, I do <laughs> not have the case. So it was literally just like every time I played the game. I'm so short. Never remembered. It was before the internet too. So I had to just like oh, yeah. try every codec thing. And then mailing pops up. It's the famous solid snake. And you're just like, I didn't mean to call you. I'm sorry. And then Naomi Hunter pops up and she's like, hello, snake. Did you like me to tell you a story to make you sleep good? Why is this? That's <laughs> <laughs> Naomi. Never mind. That's why they changed it for the future entries. She sounds normal, right? She's not like oh yeah, she doesn't have an British like yeah. in the first one. Yeah, and neither is Mei Ling. She's yeah. not British ever. No, she was well, Chinese, right? She yeah. had like a Chinese accent. Yeah, and uh, the middle actually in the Twin Snakes. Um... The voice actors don't have the accents. They sound like the ones in Metal Gear Solid 4. Right. That's so. actually why I didn't like Twin Snakes. Um, right. Because it ingrained in my mind is, I've got to go sort a couple of bothersome flies. And the, the line delivery wasn't exactly the same in Twin Snakes, even mm-hmm. though Liquid still had the British accent. Right. Um, I'm you. <laughs> is that what he sounds like? Yeah, that's what he says to Snake, at least at one point. He's oh. like, what? And he's like, I'm you. I remember, okay, third scene. I like all the the les enfants terribles stuff. Um, yeah, they're just like, they're like, hey, to me, yeah, I'm like a young teen. I was like, I don't know anything about the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's what young teens sound like. And then uh, um, your laugh like just push that thought right out of my head <laughs> just like, i have a habit i was like i don't know anything about the world so yeah maybe this is real like what if they try to clone people and all and it was like super creepy to yeah. me yeah uh almost like yeah doomsday type stuff that was just like super creepy technology 
stuff. So some of our favorite scenes, if you're listening, make sure you leave us a comment with some of your favorite scenes from this game. Because I'm sure there were there are more other scenes right in this game, right? There's too many to oh, count. One of my favorites, a surveillance camera. <gasps> yeah, that's it. It's just like, he was super shocked to see a surveillance camera. To this day, I don't know why so much shock for a surveillance camera. I just don't know. But cool. Let's talk about adult themes. Okay, so you, you referenced something a little earlier. Actually, I already forgot what it was. Diazepam. Diazepam. You mentioned that, and I said, R- okay. which is right. Weird. Like, hey, kids. <laughs> Not like, take hey, some, kids. A- take okay. some antidepressants. Now, the, to be fair, the game was rated M. Sure. So yeah. it wasn't for kids. No, it wasn't. Right. And that's an important thing to know. And it's something that I stand behind, too. And, like, I'll try to do with my children. Like, I don't want my kids playing games above their rating for their age before yeah, their time. I, I do that with my brother. Like, I don't let him play. Yeah. Um, Especially, like, this game. Oh, yeah. Like, you're playing when they're 25, man. I don't, I'm, like, not letting them. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. <laughs> um, But, like, age-appropriate stuff, I think, is important. Uh, My personal belief, your personal belief. I think so, yeah. Um, So, but, yeah, lots of things in this game I was exposed to at a pretty young age. Um, What are some other examples? Now, you wrote down on my notes... The words sexy characters that I did. Okay, specifically, who's the sexiest? Um, gotta give it to my man, Roy Campbell. I mean, <laughs> he is fit as a fiddle. Let yeah. me tell you, if it's a fiddle. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, no, definitely like a lot of uh, sexual, like you know, um, suggestive themes they would call it right in the suggestive themes. That's yeah. what they would like label sexual, yeah, content. or like sexual themes too. You'll oh, see what that they sometimes, yeah, oh, okay. Now, there's no actual like depictions of sexual like or intercourse or anything like that in this game but yeah there's a guy that's nude that's like snailing (laughs) (laughs) oh johnny yeah and he uh well they blur out his bottom but um there's uh yeah there's quite a few sexual references um snake shoves cigarettes up his butt which is another adult thing. Yeah, like, like, into, like yeah. drugs and like and like the fact that your cigarettes. items can be like antidepressants yeah. and like cigarettes is like yeah. like I've never seen a game do that. But before. I think mostly about this game uh is the disturbing themes and some of the really disturbing moments. Mm-hmm. Like when you get captured and you wake up and the dead DARPA chief is in the same room with you with maggots all over him. Oh yeah. That good. was pretty disturbing. Oh. You know, and I hadn't played a three many 3d games before mm-hmm. so i was just like wow it looks so realistic you know like today like no, no. Um, but, <laughs> because the imagination fills in the rest right and mm-hmm. so i was like yeah you wake up in a room with a dead man like that's pretty disturbing right um but yeah well speaking of adult themes we're recording this podcast in <laughs> the music room the music room so go ahead and tell that story i wanted you to so the music room um one time was uh how many years ago was this probably like i'd say i was just married so that was in 2011 oh no it was after that because it was like college group stuff so oh okay i was in college I was probably, probably like, 12 or 13 yeah yeah so i was like um yeah 2013 something anyways um moses had a well red bench um had just had his first apartment and he was uh, showing us around and uh, he walked. And I was showing just you around, right? Just me, yeah. yeah it was okay. just me. I was the okay. only person. And um, he walked me to his, him, his and his wife's uh, quarters. And um, he looked in, and he's just like, "Yeah, this is like the the music room." Like he didn't even realize. He just tried to come up with something that's catchy. <laughs> I was trying to think of like like some unusual room, like 
you know, the terrarium or terrarium, that's not the aviary. Yeah. I should have said the aviary, but instead I you said I the called music. my bedroom the music room. Right. And like yeah. I made like like the and like it's I think it's a face I made at you where it's just like I was kinda like weirded out by what you said and then you looked <laughs> into my face and you're just like, Oh, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> and like we had to tell everyone and like oh that's so funny. Uh you had to tell everyone. I had like guests over and you're like so one time Moses called his bedroom <laughs> like the, the music, music room. room. So yeah, you referenced that today when we came into my bedroom again to right. record this podcast. Right. We're in and having a very yeah. This is like a special place right it now. It is. Don't touch my bed. Um, uh, my feet are on it. Sorry. Oh. So anyways, yeah, adult things. Anything else you wanted to say on that? Uh, adult themes in the music room. Uh, that's funny. That's <laughs> um. Just uh, I mean, well, I guess I mean there's like a lot of like other themes that we could probably talk about later but yeah in terms of um in terms of adult themes there's like um yeah i mean there's the sexual stuff drugs alcohol death you know that's in there and that's uh i mean for the time was that like pretty like not common or like was this just like the beginning of like like games like having including these kinds of things uh you had <clears throat> no you had uh you had adult games before um you know, there's uh, there's famous examples like Chiller um, that I believe was on the NES. Yeah, that was just like a game where you like shot like people's limbs off and stuff like that in like a torture room. Um, that was pretty dang adult. That's like, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> even like past adult. Like you wouldn't look at that and be like, that's adult. You would just be like, that's reprehensible. Like, yeah, yeah. like one of those like way too graphic things there's uh an even more infam inf- there's an even more infamous example in uh Custer's Revenge for the the uh Atari 2600 that was essentially like pornographic but yeah prior to the NES okay thank goodness for Nintendo and the and quality control yeah <laughs> i mean i just did just mention chiller but yeah um but, uh, but I think it's because, like, I think the reason, like, people, like, started getting concerned about it, it's because, like, the 3D era became, like, I was like, oh, this is real, like, now kind of thing. Right. These aren't just, like, little blocks anymore. Well, if we're talking about, to when the ratings, uh, the ESRB ratings began, mm-hmm. that was largely because of games like Mortal Kombat. Right. Um, Which and was transitioning into yet. it. Yeah, but it was still realistic enough. Do you think it's because of games, like... Because, I mean, Mortal Kombat was kind of like the transition into 2D to 3D, you know, because of that, like, now we were allowed to have these kinds of themes later on, and, like, this is, like, kind of, like, Metal Gear Solid and probably a few other games around yeah, the PS1. I think they were probably less, like, the ratings, in my opinion, probably made them less taboo, mm-hmm. um, because it's now right. it had an official rating on it. Right. Um, But, especially when it rolled out, I don't think it was as big of a deal as it it should have been. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't have enough noise made about it. Because, like, you think about, like, the ratings don't mean anything to a kid, right? Right. Like, I was 13, 14. I didn't care. I was going to play this game. Yeah. Um, So, it was really up to the parents to look at the rating and understand what it means. Still is today, yeah. Right. And still today. Like, you don't want to be like, oh, what's that? I don't want my kids, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, and you do parenting however you do parenting. That's my personal uh, opinion on it. But 
They're there for a reason. Right. Well, they're there for a reason. They're yeah. to inform the consumer. The parent, yeah. Right. So, because the child is the one that's going to consume the game, mm-hmm. but the consumer is the one who purchases it, right? Who who votes on it essentially with their dollar. Right. Um, and that's the parent in, in most cases, um, even though there's a lot of adult gamers today. But the point being that, yeah, with with Metal Gear Solid and with ratings... I think it was more acceptable at this point because it had the rating on it. Um, and there were certainly, I don't know if you could say more graphic. I mean, there probably were. I'm trying to think of a specific like example. Like Manhunt or that was on PS1? Yeah, I, I've never, I don't think I played that. That was a pretty graphic game. Um, well, I mean just on the PS1. Yeah, Manhunt was on PS1. Oh, okay. I thought you said PS4. Yeah. No, Manhunt um, was like an official license Like, well, game. guarantee there's more graphic games now. Like oh, I yeah, played totally. the the Last of Us, and I was like, "This is the As, most graphic I ever want to get again, uh, ever." Mm, yeah, and yeah, then, I guess, but I've seen way more graphic games than Last. Well, of Us. Well, uh, yeah, like, yeah, no, of course. And there's some games that are like I would never want to play that. Um, but yeah, for then PS One, yeah, I'm sure there were like horror games, like well, Resident Evil was pretty terrifying. Um, I remember playing like a demo of Silent Hill and just being like, "Nope, absolutely can't do, <laughs> can't do it." Scary. Yet. Yeah, it was pretty scary stuff. So, um, yeah. Musica. You wrote down music? I wrote down music. Oh. You want to talk a little bit about the music? We can sing some. Okay. The whole song. And you can do the nose food part. Anyways. Are you just gonna do this or like? Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna do the choir part too. All parts. Okay. <laughs> At the same time, <laughs> feel like a layer tracks over and yeah. sing it. I have it all prepared. Acapella. Um, um, music. The music is it's great. Really good music. Yeah. In this game. What are some of your favorite tracks? Do you have it? Uh, definitely like the best is it to come. Man. I mean, uh, it doesn't get better than that one. Yeah. Um, but once you name that, then you're like, like the rest is downhill. Yeah, I know that's true. Dang it. No, we were listening to a little bit of the music before this. I was like, man, these horns sound crappy. Um, like the synthetic horns, yeah. but the strings don't sound too bad throughout. And certainly the percussion is on. Throughout fleek. most of the game, you have like that, like men's choir. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Now <laughs> Mantis <laughs> hymn, the Mantis hymn is uh, one of my favorite tracks from this That's game. A good one, yeah. yeah. Uh, very creepy, elegant, has like that quasi like spiritual, like aspect to it that's really unsettling. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, all kinds of creepy stuff starts happening around that point in the game. Um, yeah, the music is is still pretty exceptional, uh, and certainly it was a foundation to build upon for later entries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk characters. This is a game that has some really great characters. Oh man, do you have a favorite character? Um, cheese decoy octopus, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like the one that you see, but doesn't have like a comic book supervillain role essentially like you no. never have a showdown with them or anything like no, that yeah, yeah that's funny you can uh do you want to gripe about that because i know you have a gripe that about what uh, decoy octopus i do like for like the longest time since i've known you you always like every time i mentioned decoy de- ah, de- every time i mentioned decoy octopus you just like your blood boils a little bit really too, i don't remember any of that you're i probably don't know what over you're talking now, about. but you're just like you're just like what a wasted potential they teased us and just, <laughs> <laughs> i think you're making you must be making this no, up you and taking this, advantage of my sonality because like yeah <laughs> that makes no sense that i would ever be upset you might have done it as a joke then i probably yeah. did like one of those like 
Star Wars is the non-thinking man's Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hate you. Um, <laughs> I mean, my favorite character, like video game character ever, is like Solid Snake. Like, and he's the man. Like, he's oh, and today is International Men's Day. Um, so <sighs> and the how best appropriate man. that you would say that Solid Snake is your favorite. Is he your favorite favorite video game character? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Guess mine. Uh, Piranha Plant. Piranha Plant. How did you know? No, it's Mega Man. Oh. Like, man is in his name. Yeah. He's just a child. A child? Yeah, Solid Snake is a man. Let's talk about yeah. Solid Snake. Okay, right? Solid Snake. So you said that he was the perfect man. Yes, absolutely. Okay, but um, I will disagree with you on that. Okay. I think that oftentimes he's reluctant to help others. Uh, he's certainly self-destructive. Um, and... <sighs> He's the perfect role model. He's not. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> no, um, no, I like, I mean, he's like the first, I mean, like what? Like when I was 17, I didn't play too many games with like uh, characters that had like any complexity to them. Uh-huh. And so snake is like very oh, the complex. first time. Yeah. yeah. Like snake's a very complex character. I mean, uh, yeah, he's like a soldier and he's like, you know, a guy who kind of feels like he needs to get things done, but doesn't like really want to. Yeah. And like, um, he doesn't, you know, his purpose in life is very like, you know, he doesn't have one really. And so, um, he's just a guy that tries to get the, the things done. And he, like a lot of times throughout the series, like he's like, you know, I'm not a hero. I was like, I'm just like, you know, doing what he's someone to be done. who enjoys the act of killing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so like, hey, well, does he say that in this game? Or I don't know if he the does. The second one. No. He says a lot of stuff. He so. says a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's seen that. I was um, always fascinated by his background. Yeah, and like he's yeah the the like the fact that he's just like a clone from like you know like. And he grew up like as a soldier, I mean, like he basically like enrolled into like military schools and stuff like that, and just trained like from the beginning to just be like a killing machine. And like whether he not he accepts that role is and like he's good at it, like for sure. That's the worst part about it. And so yeah, right. Like what you said earlier. I mean, essentially, he's a murderer. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. Now the question that I wanted to ask at this point was, how do you define murder? So I think you and I would agree that murder is wrong. Yes. Right. Okay. So, like, if I, if I saw that you have a Pikachu and Eevee Switch bundle, which have you seen that? Yeah, it looks the amazing. banana and the caramel like uh, controllers. Yeah. yeah, the Joy Cons they look so great. So, but if I see that you have that and I want it and I kill you to take it, obviously immoral, right? Right. Now, if you break into my house and threaten my family, like let's say at gunpoint or knife point. And you're like, give me your switch or I will kill your children. Like, and I kill you to stop you from doing that. Is that the same thing ethically? No. An equivalent? No. Okay. I think we would agree on that too. Now to take that even further then, and this will come back to Solid Snake and Solid Snake's ethics. Um, So defending one's family, defending one's community, sort of blowing that out, defending one's nation. Uh, in terms of soldiers, I think that because Snake is a soldier, I think that you and I would agree that World War II obviously had tons of complexities, had tons of of things going on, millions of people involved, millions of decisions involved, mm. um, millions of individuals making ethical and unethical decisions every day during that war. Right. But at its broadest scope. Uh, in general terms, um, I would say that we as uh, the U.S. 
uh, the West had to stop, uh, had to enter that war specifically to stop the rise of Nazism. That would be, uh, I think, a just goal to do that. Right. So, so then I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say that that's the equivalent of you uh, killing me for a switch. You know, like that would be murder. Mm-hmm. But that would be more the equivalent of somebody breaking into your house and threatening your family, or threatening, threatening to do harm to innocents. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all seriousness, and you have to rise up to stop them. Right. So I don't think that those things are, are ethically equivalent. But then when we get to Solid Snake, though, he's also a soldier. He's also someone who is involved in his own war quotations. Um, but then he also gets involved later on in the series in other wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, even before, like Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2 are like uh, about that too, like... Like, uh, like there's a lot of war, like, you know, in Africa and that he goes to and like in the jungle that he's part of. Oh, in the, in the originals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. To drop the term solid from that. Um, now, so I think that his ethics or his reasons for his justifications for killing, uh, frequently changed throughout his life as you see in the games. Right. Yeah. I think, um, he sums it up in like the fourth game uh-huh. where he says like, he's like, I'm not a hero. I'm just like a hired uh, killer just to do some wet work. Right. That's what he like. That's what he thinks himself as because in a, in a lot of ways, like, like him and like, you know, soldiers, like even in general, sometimes it's like, sometimes, you know, the, you have the idea like, yeah, I'm doing this to defend my community or mm-hmm. like, you know, like the world and take protect innocence. But a lot of the times, you know, it could like when snake is like, you know, he, the reason he's sent out in this game is to kind of protect, uh, protect like political interest, right? Financial interest, that right. kind of thing. And that's clear when you reach the end of the game, right? Yeah, and so that kind of thing. And so that's why he thinks that. He's... But he didn't know that. So in terms of his ethics, he thinks that he's just stopping terrorists, right? Yeah, but at the same time, he knows he's going through the whole game. Question: He knows that he, he right. there's something fishing going suspicious, on. Suspicious. Right. He's suspicious, yeah. but he still does it anyways. Right. So here's a here's an ethical question. Then, if you're suspicious of unethical motivations behind your superiors, but you're sure of uh, the unethical terrorists, do you stop the terrorists, or do you choose not to stop the terrorists because of suspicion? <laughs> and not validation. That's uh that's <laughs> really hard. Because um, I think that if I was Snake, I would without being sure, of mm-hmm. course he didn't trust Campbell, right, mm-hmm. at various points. Uh and caught him in lies at various points. Yeah, yeah. Uh but not being sure of that, not having his suspicions yet confirmed, I still think that I would say, well, the terrorists are wrong and it would be right of me to stop them. Right. Um, I mean, he knew their goals still. I mean, right. they, they wanted like a, a nuclear weapon. Right. Which would be pretty bad. That would be bad. I mean, if you let... <laughs> so if you were the one man that could stop these terrorists from obtaining a nuke, mm-hmm. and you say no, under suspicion that it'll just be for political interests, mm-hmm. and then the terrorists nuke the East Coast... That's kind of on you. That's kind mm-hmm. of like... Uh, but I think in the end it's about that like he's protecting this weapon from mm-hmm. like people who might end up doing that anyways. Right. 
he's protecting it for them. Right. Like, and so yeah. and that, that's the hard part. About right. It. And that's our, uh, that's our world too, is mm-hmm. all the grays in between. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we went back to world war two for all its complexities. Right. It still was fairly black and white. Yeah. I think yeah. when you define it that broadly, I think you can um, yeah. define it that broadly sometimes. Yeah. And think now that's less, that's less easy with wars since, Yeah, but we won't get into that. Yeah. Just to talk about snakes ethics. I think that, uh, that his his changing motivations, his changing reasons. Now you could you could tie those things to like justification for an action is sort of tied to motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but because Snake's motivations change so much, makes him a really interesting character, yeah. um, especially in terms of how he doesn't want to play politics. And yet, that's something that you see... He's a tool. Like, right, to happens. It. Now, in Metal Gear Solid 2, that's not so much. He he kind of goes rogue. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. Right, that's what that's which about. I think is what you could naturally see is the progression of this character. At some point, he has to say, all right, I'm not going to be somebody's lackey anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Solid Snake, definitely an interesting character. Not my favorite character, right? though. Oh, no, that makes Do you know sense. my favorite character? Who? Psycho Mantis. What? Yeah. Oh, in the game. Oh, yeah. In the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like in period. general. Oh no, God. I, was, I already said it was Mega Man. Um, yeah. Psycho Mantis in this game. I just thought that boss fight super creative. Oh. How uh, you had to switch controller ports. Just a really, really creative mm-hmm. thing. I think definitely where you started to see the kind of creativity that Kojima could wield. Um, yeah. And Kojima, we'll talk about him and Konami in a little bit. But um, other members of Foxhound, uh, yeah, Psycho Mantis, Liquid Snake seems a little white bread to me. You think but, so? Yeah, uh, he's think... got a British accent. He's a bad guy. That's like every. He's a clone. It's like he's every like... Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know. He just... Liquid Snake. I mean, like he's great. He didn't have a shtick. That was the thing. Psycho Mantis was like, you know, a telepath. Um, Vulcan Raven, a shaman. Revolver Ocelot was like an insane marksman. Um, decoy octopus was like this crazy shapeshifter and then uh sniper wolf could like you know have an insane marksman thing but then at the same time she had like this weird affinity to wolves like i always thought that she could like talk to wolves like aquaman talks to fish you're a fool if you think that i just again i haven't played the game for a long time so i thought (laughs) that's how it worked with her um but uh and then you have liquid snake who just to me seems like he seems like the Kingpin and the Sinister Six. Like the Kingpin is just like a dude. And then you've got like, oh, this guy's a scorpion. Mm-hmm. This guy's, you know, a, a giant rhino and all this stuff. Yeah, I think uh, Liquid isn't terribly complex. You know, like a lot of his motivation is just like, like angst that he's like, uh, he's a clone pretty much. And that like, you know, Snake is superior to, oh, he keeps seeing like, oh, I got like all the recessive genes and you got all the dominant ones. And like, I'm just like the runt of the litter and big boss is the greatest soldier, but he never acknowledged us. And so he's like very, like, like an angsty teenager. Right, and that motivates his terrorism yeah. to where he's going to steal this nuke. Yeah. What was his goal with the nuke? Do you remember? What was like the threat that he was going to nuke that, Washington or yeah, something? Yeah. Like yeah. He was, yeah. He was okay. nuke all that. And so, for big bosses remains like he wants right he wants his birthright kind of thing right like was he, it and that was the only thing that he wanted right yeah his payment 
Mm, yeah, and they were like, just give it to him, dude. Yeah. Like, copy it. I don't know. I yeah. mean, you find out later on, like, why that, that, yeah, why it's so kind huge. of a little bit bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, Snake, Liquid Snake, not terribly complex, but I mean, yeah. still a cool character. <laughs> oh, definitely a cool character. But yeah, I, my point being that he kind of seemed a little plain next to all these, like, like super villains. Yeah, they were like a little bit more gray, like Sniper Wolf. You felt, I think, for Sniper Wolf. Sniper Wolf was supposed to be a sympathetic yeah, character. Yeah, like I, well, they did. I could. They did quite it. a few sympathetic characters. Yeah. Um, Psycho Mantis, Sniper Wolf, uh, Vulcan Raven. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. him too. Not um, Revolver Ocelot, definitely. No, <laughs> because... well, because he plays later into the series. Right. I exactly. think it would have been way too early to sympathize the character. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever really do either. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm kind of against uh, making every villain a sympathetic villain. I right. think it can be really powerful to make a villain a sympathetic villain. True, but I think it can also be overdone. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm glad it wasn't because like you have Revolver Ocelot and Liquid Snake, and right. like they're like the only ones that yeah kind of make it to the end, and like yeah. they're, they're like the least sympathetic ones too, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that you needed that in this game. You mm. needed that sort of unstoppable force that Snake just had to be coming against and and it had to be like a pure redeem irredeemable evil mm-hmm. and yeah by the time you get to the end of uh middle gear solid 2 i remember like revolver ocelot is just like crazy yeah i'm like what how <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of, there's a lot um we didn't talk about any of the, like sort of the good alignment characters, the sure. support characters. I mean, well, you have uh, Naomi, Mei Ling, Otacon, Roy Campbell, Meryl, Silverberg. Um, Meryl. A lot of women supporting him. Yeah, I had a crush friends. on Meryl. I still do, to be honest. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, when I played it out, obviously. Who, 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 who didn't have a crush on No, Meryl? you were 17, though. I mean, I was 14, so that's a little weird. But I had a, I yeah, had I a crush on Sailor Moon, too, at the time. Oh, um, Okay. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what to do with that information. But um I think when I watched Cowboy Bebop when I was seventeen, I think I had a crush on Faye Valentine. So. On Faye? Yeah. Like who would probably But I was seventeen be, though, so it would probably be like the worst girlfriend in, yeah. in existence. Yeah, absolutely. Like she just like steals all your money every day. Every steals day. all your money. And just comes back for more. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to say online that she's a horrible person. But she redeems herself by the end of the series, sure. but cool. we're not talking about Kevin. No, we're we talking are about okay. Tons of character development. Yeah, it's great. Anyways, uh, uh, okay. Back. I to mean, you got song. like Naomi. Uh, was Do you have a favorite support character? Um, Otacon. Oh, Otacon. Otacon's yeah. great. Yeah. I think he's a like a guy that's just like very cowardly, but he's still like you know heart of gold kind of a heart character. of gold kind of guy. I'm sorry for building mechs. Yeah. Well, then don't build mechs. I know. Dude, his dad is like the evilest character like in the entire series. I think. It, does he make an appearance? Yeah, his dad. He's in Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, see, I haven't. So played you got to get to yeah. those. Those are the prequels. But like, like to think like that. Um, Otacon and Snake are kind of the same in the sense that, like, they're carrying, like, their father's, like, legacies. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the, in Metal Gear Solid Five, there's a song called Sins of the Father yeah. because, uh, you know, you have his dad, Huey Emmerich, and Solid Snake's, I guess, dad, Big Boss, you know, like, like e- being evil men and, like, them somehow kind of carrying on that and trying to deny that. Like, Otacon's, like, in the same boat as Snake in that mm. sense. That's and interesting. So, yeah, dude, it's... Oh, dude. And I liked um, that... Their real names is given at the end of the thing, mm. where uh, David and Hal, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, reference to uh, two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, my favorite film. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you have um, Naomi. You know, she she's a she's somewhat villainous too. Like, she, yeah, she turns on you, but she also has like a 
uh, one of those backstories that you have to feel sympathetic. You know, she's like, right. she lost her parents like in like some kind of war, and like, and you have Gray Fox too. Gray Fox. We didn't talk Gray about. Gray Fox. Him. We didn't talk about him, but yeah. he, he's he's like mo- the most like snake too. He's just a guy that like she's trying to break free from the cycle of being like a government tool, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, Gray Fox was probably the most mysterious character in yeah. this game, especially because. You know, I hadn't played the the older games. Yeah, he's in Metal this. Gear Two. I think. Okay, he shows. And up I, I haven't played and Metal you, Gear Two at all. I think you kill him in that too. Oh, as really? Solid Snake, you kill okay. him. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hence all the hurt me more snake. <laughs> hurt me more. Well, like the title of this podcast. Hurt me more. No, I just kidding. That should be anything. No, 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 no. Okay, uh, that's weird. <laughs> People like look up "Hurt Me More" and just like, what is this podcast? <laughs> Uh okay Anyways, but... so yeah um I I definitely liked the villains in this game I yeah. think it has some of the strongest villains um of the games that I've played in this series uh definitely stronger villains than in the second game I think Solidus yeah. seemed a little a little one note and uh and Vamp was cool but it's just like but I don't how you know. Like, eventually you get to a point where, like, well, how? Yeah, I don't know. How? Like, it, it seemed like everything was explainable for the most part in mm-hmm. um, in Metal Gear Solid 1. We're like, okay, you know, he's a shaman. There, There's, you know, maybe some magic out there. I don't know. And then uh, you got, you know, the telepath and stuff. And you're just like, well, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, psychic powers. But then when you get to the second game, you're like, a literal vampire? Like it's, I don't know. He's not literal. Nano machines play the fourth. game. Oh really? See, I forgot the nano machines already. Fourth game. Well, you know what? Because in the second one, they didn't explain any of that, and so it's in the fourth game where he's like, "Yeah, but you gotta play those." Okay. All the graphs that you have. Of so the what about one, the third like, one? The third one was the one where I totally checked out on the bosses. I mean, the fear they had the pain, like they didn't have any the backstory. sorrow. But I, was I mean, like, this is but a ghost. you know what? The boss made up for all of that, dude. Like, the boss is just like... Oh, the boss. Yeah. <sighs> well, the end was really cool, too. The end was cool. Even with his shape-shifting liver spots. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird, but <laughs> yeah. that's a cool it, boss. And, fight. like, Vulcan, too. He's just, like, a masochist. Like, pretty much, he's not very terribly complex, either. Vulcan. Was that the... Uh, Vulcan was, like, the Russian guy. Yeah, with the, the electric like, powers? <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that was another one. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa. But Why? Like, yeah. Like, this is not a comic book. This is Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid is a comic, comic book. book. <laughs> and, a, and an anime. And an anime. And like mixed a, into one. And at the same time, super realistic with, like, a lot of, like, military Right. Yeah, like, that's why the... That? So, the balance of... The balance of, uh, of content. The balance of themes. The balance of... What, what you would think would not gel together... Yeah. Actually works pretty dang well together yeah. in this game. Um, okay, so there is one character that is integral to this entire game, and that is Hideo Kojima himself. He he's actually in one of the games. Yeah, um, literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is. So there's there's this thing right called auteur theory. That you uh, just looked up, that we looked up because I forgot what it was called, but I knew what it was. Right. I knew what it was, yeah. um, but I had to look up the name because I was like, I don't remember. I told you what the name was. Though. Yeah, you did. You remembered it. Which is uh, the premise of the auteur theory is the distinguishable personality of the director 
as a criterion of value. Um, now, I won't embarrass you in front of my friends with a statement that you made earlier, but Kojima um, was sort of one of those developers that has like a cult of personality built up around him. Oh, yeah. Still does. Still does. Especially yeah. since he's developing this elusive, ridiculous looking game called Death Stranding yeah. um, that I will play for sure. But it, I, I mean, it looks ridiculous. There's just all kinds of like crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Game. Can't wait for the game. Yeah. Uh, it looks like. It looks like when you give a director too much room uh, and he just sort of runs with it. Uh, but I love those kind of movies and video games. So Do you? Yes. Like Batman versus Superman? Uh, you know what? No. See they what didn't I mean, give him enough right? freedom. And they didn't give enough freedom? No, <laughs> it was like too <laughs> no. much freedom. You know what? Okay. It's a, it all depends on the director, to be honest. But yeah. there's some directors that are so good when you let them run Kubrick. Amok. Yeah. Like Kubrick was allowed to run amok. Yeah. And like he has like made Okay, like here's another species. one. Nolan. Uh mm. Yeah, he's very outdoor, I think. Yeah. I think he's very restricted in like some he, sense. Well, it was like Nolan you can expect like what you're getting. Yeah. True. All right, so I think at base if we're talking about cults of personalities, where you're going to get what you expect from these people, right? Like they're yeah. really famous. They're really famous directors whether that's in games or in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, are always going to produce pretty much the same thing. And that kind might of. be better or worse given on how much free reign I th- they I have. I think it's better to call it like hallmarks. Like they have hallmarks that you can pinpoint. Like, I mean, because like, I mean, Kubrick and Nolan, they have very diverse filmography. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they have like a touch of them, that like their own style, but they're very different movies. Like all the right. ones they've made. Well, in genre, in genre, especially in those and so with But that, they all have commonalities yeah. too. And with, with Kojima, it's about, you know, like, just like very like super realistic real world like themes and like right. nuclear weapons and like right. war and then at the same time extremely silly like and then almost you got a, cartoonish you got a vampire right <laughs> or like a baby inside of uh no, was norman reedus um oh yeah and just like a baby giving you thumbs up it's like very, why what yeah yeah That's strange weird. strange stuff like so that. could you yeah definitely and so like i think it's because of that why i like these games to be honest because of like that 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 balance of those things and like because i mean like like i mean not to trash to like um splinter saw or anything but that's just straight like grit like real world thing, military yeah. thing but then you know i want to fight a levitating guy who wears a gas mask you know but at the <laughs> same time he comes from like a war-torn region <laughs> where, yeah where you're like uh yeah so there's yeah. that. Yeah. So as we all know, Kojima and Konami had this big falling out, right? Mm-hmm. Now, would you have preferred for Kojima to stay on with Ko- with Konami? Or do you think it was good for the games that he was to develop for him to leave and start his own studio? Um, I mean, provide a, has he released anything from his own studio? No, it's no, going to be his first game. If it ever comes out, right? If it ever comes they out. They haven't even announced, like, a. What if, like, at the Game Awards, like, they're just like. And I don't even know if this podcast is going to come out after the Game Awards. I think it will. But it's recording before the Game Awards, let it be known. Yeah. Um, so if they announce it and just like, 2028, <laughs> Death Stranding. <laughs> For PS7. Yeah, and then we get to, like, 2027 and, like,. They delay it again. Yeah, they're just like, we have to delay it. And then, yeah, it's going to be called Death Stranding Kingdom Hearts 3. 
<laughs> um, the subtitle. Yeah, but um, I think going back to your question when you asked me if it feels better for Kojima to leave Konami, I think so because I think Konami is like a sinking ship. I mean, the last game that Kojima directed for Konami was um, Metal Gear Solid Five, and like, I mean, if you know anything about that, you know, it's like so much cut content from that game. And so much, it's it's strange how polished Metal Gear Solid Five is, and how amazing it is, and like how it feels like the first like actual like next gen game, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of cut content from it because Konami like just kind of pulled the plug on him, and they've started, and now Konami in general just starting to focus like on like gambling machines, and like mobile apps because you know it's all about the money, you know. Yeah, I remember playing something. can't remember exactly what it was, and my uh, my uh, kid brother was watching, and um, he was like, "Oh, Konami," I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to make games." He was like, "Really?" <laughs> I was like, That's funny. Yeah, I mean, get he give only Konami. knew them as the controversial studio that that's, booted. Konami. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, for us, like Konami is just like some classics. You got Castlevania, you got Metal Gear Solid, you got. Did they make Resident Evil? No, that was Capcom. Oh shoot! All right. Um, what else did they got? Oh, this is what it was: Bomber or Super Bomberman R, which oh. was a launch title on the Switch, yeah. uh, which was not very good. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was Konami. It's got their name right on oh, the thanks Konami. Thing. Uh, Contra was one. Um, but I mean, Konami fired uh, Kojima. Radius. Like... Silent Hill. Okay, yeah, there we go. Silent Hills. Okay, so yeah, Konami Konami definitely like had some gems. Yeah. But nowadays they just straight up fired Kojima from Dude, like, his own friggin' project. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the arcade game. I'm trying to move Yeah, on. they had a lot of stuff back in the day. <laughs> a lot of stuff. I know you're trying to finish a thought, but yeah. Looking at this list here. It's like it was a lot. Uh, yeah, a lot back on the NES, right. back on the Super Nintendo. But as I said before, nowadays it's not about that anymore. And yeah. so, like, they fired Kojima for. I mean, Kojima is like trying to restrain that guy's like trying to restrain like a pit bull or something. I mean, it's impossible. And so, and now you have him. You know, PlayStation's kind of giving him the green light to do his thing. You know, and so I think it's better in the end for Kojima so, and for video games in general. So a question then for you is a two-part question. Are you looking forward to Death Stranding, and do you think that it'll be commercially and critically successful? I am looking forward to Death Stranding, like, a ton. And um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, people are going to... I think, um, like, you said financially? Uh, Commercially. Oh, commercially, right. And critically, in terms of both... Because we know the day and age that we live in where critics and fans are separated by, like the widest possible chasm. Like critics will be like, gamers don't know anything about games. Nine out of 10. And then, and then fans will be like, Oh, critics are stupid and pretentious. And nine out of 10. Um, I, I honestly have no idea what you're talking okay. about. I but um, I, just I, think... <laughs> I just made that up. Um, what's it called? But no, I, th- I, I have a feeling it'll be like a commercial and, and critically successful. I mean, just, you know, I mean, even Metal Gear Solid Five was like every single game he's made has been like. I, I'd be surprised if uh, Death Stranding was not a good game. Hmm. And so, so I'm actually much more skeptical about it. Um, that's because you're old. I know, but it's good to be skeptical, right? 
I mean, to an extent, unless oh, yeah, sure. unless you have like you know valid reasoning that somebody is showing you that you're like, there's no reason to be skeptical now. I'm like, oh, okay. But I think that uh, I'm skeptical just in terms of how much free reign. Everything I've seen about Death Stranding, um, like I said, looks ridiculous. Uh, it looks like a fun video game True. or a fun movie for like you know two years of of footage. Um, but I, th- I think the last time they showed it off, it actually had like some game footage. And I was like, Oh, you're just walking a around. walking simulator. Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't look particularly exciting to me. It looks like, okay. Think if, if guns of the Patriots was too much Kojima, you know, an hour and a half long cutscene. I think that was too much Kojima. Right. Though. So do you think that ran. death stranding is going to be too much Kojima? Cause think about, think about everything that we've seen about that game so much. So far, which is a lot of cutscene stuff. Now, how much percentage of the game do you think that those cutscenes that we've seen so far represent? Like, do you think they represent even half of the cutscenes that we're going to get in the game? Um, probably not. I think it might be like a very long game. I mean, because yeah. like if he's getting free right now and like yeah. even Metal Gear Solid, I think we're going to probably be looking at a movie with some interactive, possibly. But yeah. I mean, for Metal Gear Solid Five, I mean, like he specifically wanted to cut. He wanted to cut down on the cutscenes, and a lot, oh, of, really? a lot of the story was told through gameplay in uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. So that's why a lot of fans maybe not did not like Metal Gear Solid Five because it was such a departure from the series. Where it was like, you know, you got movie, 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 gameplay. But in Metal Gear Solid 5, it was like the gameplay is like your experiences with the game is like, you know, part of the story too. And so um, I think with this Stranding, I hope it's the same thing, you know, because I mean, he was trying to do that. And like Metal Gear Solid 5 was just trying to be more of that until they pulled the plug on it. And so I think this Stranding will be a good game. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of what's it called? He's been talking about it too. Is like a lot of the gameplay is going to be um, about like the story, you know, cause like mm-hmm. um, he's talking about like tethering things and like how you're going to be connected to other players and stuff through the gameplay. And like, I think that it'll, it'll be almost like journey, you know, it'll tell like a lot of the story in that way too. Right. Now that I wonder if they will tire if it's too long. Yeah. Like, do you think that we oh, could would be. have tired of Journey if Journey was a thirty-hour game rather than a three-hour game? Uh, yeah, but there's not much to do in that game, so. right? Yeah, maybe there's not a <laughs> much, much to do in Death Stranding, and that's the thing too. Because you, know? yeah. you know what, Death Stranding is just Journey Part Two. To be honest, right. you're just like walking around, <laughs> meeting character, meeting players. And Dude, what if? Oh man. I just I'm I'm extremely curious to know the story because everything that we've seen so far has been extremely um uh provocative is the term oh has been extremely um uh, <laughs> uh, let's say eye catching squidward um, have you seen the golden Ma- the man in the golden mask cutscene no watch that right now I don't want to watch it, dude. It's, wanna, it's like you it's seen like, the Aquaman it's like trailer. 30, yes, you showed it to me. No, 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 the one that came out like today. Oh uh, no. I okay, don't care. we're gonna watch it when we're done. Okay, All but right. you should watch right now. I want your reaction on camera. On it's just, camera, it's like we're a quick thirty-second like cutscene. Okay, trailer. let me see here. So, what are we looking at? Man in the Golden, Golden Mask, Death Stranding. from Death Stranding. Even the title is weird. Death Stranding. Um, oh, I think I might have seen this. Let me see. Dude, Black Friday. What a joke. What are you talking about? Talking about like skepticism? Like, yeah. Oh, Troy Baker. He's yeah. good. 
special surprise prepping everything. But it looks to me like your hands are full. He has a mask under the mask. Of course. Yeah, see, this is like Dragon Ball Z type stuff. I don't know. This looks really silly. But, just finish. I mean, yeah, I'm watching it. It's like he wants to make an anime with real life people. This is my original character. Now, see, that to me, in my optimistic view, that looks like that's a boss fight. Yes, it does look like a boss fight. So that that got me excited. It didn't show us the boss fight, though. No. What if if the boss fight is like a Game Boy Advance style card game? Really? (laughs) (laughs) You could have just did a quick demo of it, but no, you said that. That's (laughs) even worse. I hate card games. Where he's like, yeah, you got to collect like different like weird things like baby fetus in your stomach mm-hmm. card or like floating apparition with umbilical cord card. And then the boss throws down its cards and you have to. Yeah, it, it didn't show us the boss fight. That's all I'm saying. It looks like the opening yeah. cuts into a boss fight, though, if you know anything about video games. I've played a few. Have you? Yeah. You should make a website. Yeah, I do. Review. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I call it... Red Mage Reviews. Yes. That's a good idea. All right. So I know what I'm doing at the end of this podcast, which we're nearing it. So let's wrap up with a couple final questions. There's a question that I wanted to ask you specifically. Oh, is this the one that you didn't show me at the this beginning? This is, yes. Oh, yes. Will you marry me? Uh, okay, just kidding. I, I can't oh, break Charizard's heart. This is for another person. Um, Batman versus Solid Snake. Who would win? Uh, (laughs) Solid Snake. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. Why? Because he has like the biggest arsenal ever. He and he. I don't know where he hides it. Have you seen the Joker? What the Joker has like tons of arsenal weapons and guns. Yeah, but like, don't pretend like don't pretend like Batman's never fought anyone that has like a ton of guns. Okay, a homing missile. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Dude, Batman dodged Darkseid's Omega rays that were like homing lasers and got one to shoot into Darkseid. Okay, that's just silly, man. Like, comic books need to take a chill pill. I, we've been talking about Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> okay, we've been talking about taking And a chill I think pill. that comic books are like way over, more over the yeah, top than. Like... Well, I mean, 80 years of history, yeah, you gotta. You gotta do some crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, but you're, you're, you would say Solid Snake would win. Um,. Solid Snake would win over a guy who's been doing it for 80 years. You know what? I, I, I hate these questions because like, it just depends on who's writing it. Like I'm writing it. Who would win? <laughs> <laughs> Batman would win. Okay, listeners, you got to solve this for us. Who would win? Batman, the Dark Knight, Gotham's hero, or Solid Snake? The ultimate man. The ultimate happy international men's day. Happy international men's day, men. Men. Men, 
Man, I remember that one time. Heard, uh, I can't remember what we were doing, and I just started chanting men. Yeah, we were like, men. men. <laughs> it was were. like more of us, too, like chanting men. Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh. We I was arguing with somebody. Probably, it was probably Vanessa uh, or something like that. Can we say her name? She, nobody knows who she is. Here's her address. Social security. And then, uh, yeah, I was arguing with her, and like she was like, I was just like, men. 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 It was a joke, though. Come on. We're not that misogynist. No. Even Um, though we are gamers. I let her finish the... (laughs) (laughs) Stupid group think. I let her finish uh, her argument. And I I think I lost that argument, actually. Yeah, and that's why we went to that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just so funny. Let it be known. I I admitted it. Okay. After, like, five years, probably. Five years, please. I I think it might have been longer than that. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay, question here. This is from at Games with Coffee from Twitter, who is also the hyperactive coffee mage. Thank you very much, sir. Nice to meet you. Yeah, for being a mage. Uh, he asked, with the likes of Facebook, Twitter, at Al being the gatekeepers to information, how relevant is the messaging behind Metal Gear Solid Two and Four? in regards to how information flow is controlled, firstly by the Patriots, and then followed up by JD and the other AIs. Um, now, you've played those games, so I can't answer that question. That's true. Um, well, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Metal Gear Solid 2 was like ahead of its time in terms of like its themes. I think it was, it was prophetic? Yeah, in a lot of ways. And um, same thing with Metal Gear Solid 4, you know, it's like, you know commentary on like you know just like war being like an oiled machine and like just private military for the economy like, for the economy kind yeah. of thing and so like, i mean we're still seeing that today and so what was the question about like how i don't know that was a long question <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best answer we're gonna get but um too. no yeah i think uh it's still relevant uh, yeah. to all of that to those games play the game we'll probably talk about those more when we cover those games though yeah yeah uh this is from at the arcade castle how many punches? Just one baby. He said, aha, my question works perfectly. Just one baby. Uh, he said, another question I always like to think about is the impact of a game, both in terms of its impact in the industry, as well as its cultural impact. Um, I know that is one of the overarching themes of the episodes at large. So I guess I'll ask how many punches he also asked how many cardboard boxes. Um, just one. Just, um, just one card. But um, okay, so terms... the impact of, of the game in the industry and the culture. I think um, Metal Gear Solid was important in like, like feeling cinematic, like in terms of like it felt like a more like a movie. Like I mean, in the eighties, you had like all these like the one guy he has to take out all the terrorists, like Die Hard or like any 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 of those movies, that kind of thing. But kind of subverted it too. Uh, you know, because he wasn't like you mentioned, like he's like the strong character. Kojima, mm-hmm. when he was designing him, wanted him to feel like he says he's a he has to be strong, but he's not like super tall, not super buff. He has to be slender, so he's like a cat almost. Yeah. So that's how he describes. And snake. you totally get that from Snake, snake like yeah. almost. Yeah, a cat right? snake. And yeah. so I think Metal Gear Solid, in terms of like subverting, feeling more cinematic, and having movies to today that feel like you know you have games like I can't think of any. That feels cinematic. Uh, Spider-Man, I just played, was True. extremely cinematic. Oh, you got um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Like Uncharted, you know, yeah. The Last of Us. Um, yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn, definitely, too. Yeah. So I think The Last of Us was 
pure cinema. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And so like it, it has like these hallmarks of cinema. And so I think Metal Gear Solid. I don't know if it started it, but I feel like it. I hope it did. Yeah. Because uh, it feels like it did. Yeah. And um. And it did it better than some. Some games a lot of games come after. Did. Oh yeah, totally. And yeah. it's like totally still subverted like a lot of the and to have like the hallmarks of like cinema and to make it feel cinematic and to have the story like be linear in that kind of way too, and um. In terms of, yeah, cultural impact, that I think, yeah, it changed games in a lot of ways like that. As I have a funny story, too, actually. I remember my, my uh, uncle, um, who, he's, like, in his 40s now, but um, he, he's, like, in, like, a lot of those movies, like, 80s movies, and so when that game came out, I think he was, like, uh, 18 at the time it came out, or, like, 19, something like that, and um, when it came out, he, I remember he told me, when he, we were talking about this game, he told me that um, he didn't talk to my aunt for, like, two weeks, because he was just, like, playing that game, like, back-to-back, like, for, like, two weeks. Dang. That's how, like, into that game he was. And so, yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're happily married now, though. So. Oh, that's good. He's a good Sweet. husband. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid didn't come in between. Yeah, yeah. That, that's easy to do with the cinematic stuff, especially. Yeah. Uh, question here from at Fritztalgia. Uh, with Kojima's impeccable taste for narrative and the huge Western influence he had, his departure from Konami meant an, an inevitable change on focus, direction, and narrative. How does the series fare nowadays compared to the games we remember and love? So I think that's a big elephant in the room with Metal Gear Survive, right? Yeah. Which you've not played. No. Okay. So the most recent one you have played, Konami or Kojima, excuse me, was still involved? Yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five. yeah. Okay. Um, so... Can't really answer that one, I guess, from an experiential point of view um, for Metal Gear Survive. I haven't played it. You haven't played it. No. But your perspective is it's not a... It's, it's not really a Metal Gear Solid game. No. But it's a Metal Gear game, maybe. Sure. Because it says Metal Gear. I mean, it, the thing is, like, I've seen the gameplay and, like, a lot yeah. of it, it's... I mean, it's like it takes place during Metal Gear Solid Five, but like the characters you play as are transported from a wormhole into an alternate dimension, and they have to fight zombies. Hmm. Like, there's nothing Metal Gear Solid in that. Yeah, and like the only thing that's the same is it's using the same engine from Metal Gear Solid Five. Okay, and like I heard the gameplay is like not very. Good. I mean, if the gameplay was good, I might play it, but like yeah. it's not good either. I heard you like you can you run for like like ten seconds, and like your character just starts like get like starts dehydrated and stuff like that. Is there a risk of, um, because of the cult of personality with Kojima, do you think that's why so many people came out to say that they hated it? Right away? Yeah, because I definitely, like, am guilty of that. (laughs) Like, I was just like, well, you know what? In a lot of ways, like, if they made, like, another Metal Gear Solid game and you still had, like, a lot of the same writers besides Kojima, Mm -hmm. I might still try it. But, like, I mean, we're talking about all tour theory. Like, Kojima has, like, his handprints over the thing. Like, would you watch, like, a film... That, like, a lot of people that worked with Kubrick, I mean, you would, but, like, would it be as good as, like, a Kubrick film? Yeah. I don't know. That's hard to say. Well, here's an example. Here's an example. Um, I played Mega Man 11 recently. Mm -hmm. I did not have Inafune involved in that, uh, you know, creator of of Mega Man. Right. Um, And it actually ended up being a game that wasn't just pretty good um but it felt like classic mega man like the earliest uh entries in the series and um so i think it's possible to escape that cult of personality but it's probably pretty hard 
I mean, it might be easier for a Mega Man game because, like, yeah. you just it's just in terms of mechanic right. and aesthetic. Right. Maybe. You got to nail the mechanics is the most important thing. Yeah. But certainly with this, where you've got all kinds of other complexities involved, right. like yeah. story themes, that kind of thing. Yeah, much yeah. more, much much, more. much harder. You probably could, but like, would it be as wild and zany as Kojima? Who knows? Yeah. Right. Okay. One final question here. When I ask you, have you ever played Metal Gear VR Missions, uh, the game for PS One? Would you recommend it to others? Uh, this comes from at PlayJackSayback on Twitter. I mean, maybe at the time it came out, like, because I mean, like, VR... have you ever played it? Yeah, I have actually. Okay, that's like because VR missions is just like VR missions. But you... there were some VR missions in the original game, right? Yeah, and this was just an expanded. It was just like DLC, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, and so it's just like. Yeah, but back then, it was like you're gonna buy a separate game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what's it called? <laughs> but at least they were transparent about that, right? No, yeah. exactly. Okay. Anyway. So, but yeah, VR missions is just basically it's almost like tra- a training mode, almost. You know, because you're going through like moving through the blocks, but there's no story in any of that, and just um, I mean, it's like if you like the gameplay of Metal Gear Solid, yeah, it would be fun. But like, I mean, Metal Gear Solid's gameplay like is kind of archaic in a lot of ways yeah, so yeah. it's like it's not very fun nowadays get like, your dual shock yeah yeah analog sticks mm-hmm. all right so i think we'll wrap it up we're hitting a, a pretty good time on this one too five hours? i don't want these to get like progressively longer and like next year yeah. and the next year they're like yeah five hours long um thanks very much for joining me sir uh just in closing what's a game that you would recommend that's similar to metal gear solid um wow that's hard. Metal Gear Solid is pretty one of a kind in that thing, I think. I would probably say Tenchu uh, from the same year um, and a lot of stealth mechanics, but it's been a long time since I played that game too. Yeah, if stealth, so that's a very superficial. Yeah, sure, in terms yeah. of stealth, you get like the Arkham game, Splinter yeah. Cell. But um, very different thematically, certainly, in terms yeah. of setting and stuff like that. Setting, content. Like so that. just to keep it at that face value, what's like another stealth game that you'd recommend? Another stealth game? Can't think of it anymore. Have you played a game with Batman in it? I, I mentioned the Arkham game. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I would definitely recommend Alien Isolation, too. Great stealth game, survival horror, but like very self-focused, you know, a lot of the mechanics, too. Extremely self-focused, yeah. Yeah. They're out there. You just got to look for them. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This may just be the final podcast of this year, of 2018. What a way to go out. What a way to go out. Uh, yeah. I Thanks so much for listening. Uh, this has been a crazy year for the wellreadmage.com. Uh, we've launched two podcasts, launched a YouTube channel, launched a rocket ship into space. You guys You're welcome that? for all the pictures of Saturn. Okay. Jeez, like not even a single person. Anyways, uh, thank you to all of our writers. You guys are fantastic. The mages, just what a group to, to hang out with. And thank you also to the Warriors of Light who have helped us in being able to do all these cool projects. Uh, I don't know what 2019 is going to have for us. Hopefully Death Stranding. Hopefully Death Stranding. <laughs> but I meant more personally. Oh. But hopefully... <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do next year. Um, and that's kind of the exciting thing to see what happens in the moment. Live in the moment because tomorrow is tomorrow. What's that? I want to end with Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda. What does he say? Oh, he says, yesterday is history. 
Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. That was uh, beautiful. Anyways, guys, happy holidays. Happy holidays, happy holidays, happy holidays, happy holidays, and the merry bells are ringing. Oh my ears. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. happy Hanukkah, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this week. Help me come up with the well red mage puns. I hope you enjoyed that episode of MageCast as much as I did. If so, please follow, subscribe, share, and leave us a review to help us reach a wider audience. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of gaming conversations through patreon.com forward slash thewellreadmage. Special thanks to my magely colleague Brent Mead for sound editing. The MageCast theme song, Post Atmosphere, was composed by fellow mage Russell Gordon and can be found on his YouTube and SoundCloud. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons.